All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a, a very special episode of Fans Take, a podcast for, for real fans, by real fans. Um, my uh, Obviously, this is Andrew, and I'm here with Chris as well for today's episode. And we're really, really uh, thrilled for this episode because our uh, Milwaukee Bucks won the uh, NBA Finals last night. First championship in almost 50 years for the city in of Milwaukee. Years. In general. Yeah, in 50 years. Um, and hey, we're, we're it, as, as a whole right now, the state of Wisconsin is just elated. Um, and I guess what we, we, we want to dedicate this episode just to sort of thinking a little bit about, you know, Buck's past and present, um, that we remember, uh, just to be able to celebrate this momentous occasion a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for t- tuning in to join us here, guys. So Chris, right off the bat. How, how, how are you feeling about uh, last night? How are you feeling about the series? I don't think it's entirely sunk in yet. Honestly, this is the one thing in sports I've been waiting for my entire life. The Bucks have always been my number one team out of all professional sports teams. Anything. I root for Bucks number one, always. And like the one, this is the one thing I've wanted. And just for it to finally come into reality it's just it's surreal i i don't i don't know i'd say i don't know what else to say it's just it's insane to me and i think it's going to take some time to sink in but man i'm i'm pumped just beyond excited no i i 100 hear you there um i was actually down at the deer district um by the main stage. So there were basically three deer districts to give you guys sort of uh, uh, you listeners a sort of idea of what outside the stadium looked like. The deer district is what they call sort of like this giant group of people that all came to watch on a big screen outside this t- uh, the stadium. And I was on the main stage and there were three main stages, probably with uh, 10, 10 to 15,000 at each. Uh, they prepared for 65,000 people um, outside the stadium. I would not be surprised if that happened, but man, <laughs> Like the energy and my voice is just coming back now. <laughs> um, a whole 24 hours later, almost when the game started. But uh, yeah, no, I surreal is the best way to put it. I think at this point, it's weird. Um, like there's so much excitement, but at the same time, you're just like, I don't know. Your team has finally done something amazing. Um, we've been hoping for it for the Bucks for years now. Uh, we finally had promise in the last couple of years. But now when it's finally reached its point and realizing that the drought for the Bucks has been longer, twice as long as we've been alive, which is wild to think about. Um, and uh, just being able to be a part of that there, um, but then also being a part of that fan base as a whole, um, is just a really, really incredible experience too. It's just like, it, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's setting in a little bit. It's like, Holy cow! It, we get a we get we get to have a championship for the Milwaukee Bucks right now, and that that's a that's an awesome feeling. It's really exciting. Oh, absolutely! And I wish I could have been at the Deer District too. Uh, unfortunately, it just happened to be four hours away and on a work night, <laughs> so I couldn't really do anything about it. But I was sitting at home watching on TV with some friends and enjoying every second of it, even oh, if yeah. I couldn't be surrounded by all the diehard Bucks fans that showed up. Uh, outside the visor forum oh yeah all, the, all all us crazies that stood there for three hours two hours before the game started like no it was it there, there's there's something special about like yeah feeling that energy with thousands of other people all screaming about the same things and you can be you can be an irrational fan if you want to you can complain about this call even though it's an obvious call and everybody else is doing it too um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just sort of that excitement where the last like minute and we're like phoenix isn't coming back from this we got this and sort of that excitement building i'm sure you got you felt it at home too is like holy cow it's actually going to happen. We're watching watching Giannis hit 18 of his 20 free throws. Like it's yeah. it's happening. Oh my gosh, that was that was awesome. No, is is definitely experience to behold. But clearly, obviously, that didn't just happen in game. I mean, Bucks and six is is bound to happen. It, was, it had to. Just, I mean, it was just Brandon Jennings spoke it into existence eight years ago. He was not talking about that series with the Heat in round one of the 2013 NBA playoffs. No. He was talking about the 2021 NBA Finals <laughs> versus the Phoenix Suns. Yes, this sir. is the series he was speaking about way <laughs> yeah. back when. Yes, clearly. No. And and it was even more fun to see him in uh, 
in attendance. He uh, he beat the drum during the uh, Let's Go Bucks at the beginning of the game, and he was courtside for it. Like, uh, it's just fun to be able to see so many past and present uh, Bucks be able to be a part of that night and just sort of the excitement of that that moment. But no, yeah. So it came to six games. Looking back on the series, I mean, I'll be honest, I was a little bit nervous after the first two games. Oh, weren't we all? Uh, yeah. So like, I I was I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, we're down 0-2. We did not look good those first two games. We didn't look like we wanted it. Giannis and Pat Connaughton were the two that wanted it. Um, and I really didn't see from the other guys. I felt like, and I was like, okay, if we win, it's gonna be in seven games. Yeah. But the fact that we stormed back and won four in a row is amazing, including one at Phoenix. So I did not expect that after the first two games, that's for sure. Yeah, I didn't either. I mean, and I know um, you look at like game one and you look at the box score, it's like, oh, wow, Chris Middleton, 29 points. Giannis wasn't his complete normal self. I mean, he had 20 points, but that's just not what we expect from Giannis. But if you look at Chris Middleton in that game, a lot of those, a lot of those points that he had kind of came in garbage time so it's kind of empty it was an empty 29 yeah you know like we were down we were down big for most that game like you were saying in garbage time um and we we made it like a what did we lose by eight by ten something like that yeah something like you're down by like 18 before you got hot and we came Mm -hmm. back to like seven points and then we ended up losing by like 10 or so yeah but yeah you're right It, it was it was, it was a game that did not look pretty. And then game two looked even worse because Middleton and Holiday both played absolute garbage. So Right. Well, and then <laughs> game two, what really uh, made me think this series was going to not go so well was you see Giannis score 40 points and st- we still lose. You Because, like, when someone scores 40 points in an NBA Finals game, you kind of have to expect that that's not going to happen again, probably. <laughs> so you can't really waste those opportunities. But mm-hmm. we kind of did. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, Giannis still the very next game had a forty point game again, and it's yeah. like, and then Drew Holiday, I, he shot a lot better that game. I think he was eight for fourteen in in game three. I think you're right. About um, Middleton played solid, nothing special in that game. But then Giannis, obviously with his forty point performance again, mm-hmm. it just um, that was. When um, I'd say game four was when I kind of realized that this this is a series like a lot of people thought that game two was going to be a must win for the Bucks, And like I can see where they're coming from. You don't you never want to go down 2-0 in a playoff series like it's it's, it's obviously not a good thing. Like it, it kind of it can it can kind of set the tone for how the series is going to go. But um, I it, it was to put it this way, like if. So if they wanted to avoid any must-win games, they should have won game two, if that makes sense, because then the next two became must-win games. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, because you can't go down 3-0 or 3-1, because that's – you're done if if you if it gets to that point. Um, but I did not expect the Bucks to win four in a row no. after going down 0-2. And I guess for me, yeah, no, I – I, I was thinking the exact same lines. I was like, okay, game three, must win. And then game four, must win as well. Um, and I guess, like, thinking about where that series kind of turned um, is when the Bucks started actually, like, handling adversity. It seemed like they could only play in this series if they were in a close situation. Um, which is a little bit like it is a little bit giving you a heart attack as a fan because like even in game six I was sitting there and I'm like oh my gosh like we can't we got went up by 13 in the first quarter awesome and then we did absolutely awful in the second quarter and I'm sitting here like man we can't just like have an easy win can we? I know we can't. Um, but it's encouraging though because like that that was something that was lacking a lot from our teams in the past years um, I remember when we lost to Toronto, uh, we didn't handle any sort of adversity whatsoever. We went up 2-0 and then we lost. Um, in the same way we just beat the Suns. Exactly, exactly. And we didn't handle adversity at all, and that's really what changed for these guys. I think I think the turning point went like when I like because I, I when when I was on the podcast last time with uh, Tyler, I made my prediction. I said um, I said Bucks in six, uh, sort of as a joke, but also sort of in seriousness. And then I think when I actually sort of started realizing like, oh my gosh, this can actually happen was at the, is, was, uh, 
uh, mi midway through that fourth quarter in game four is like we started playing respectably. Uh, Middleton was hitting his shots. Giannis was beasting out on defense, like looking like his uh, normal self defensively 100%. And he's taken over the game. Um, we were we were running good sets. Uh, Connaughton was hitting his shots, like shots that he needed to hit. Um, and I think I realized I was like, okay, this could actually happen. This could actually happen in six games at home. Yeah. Um, I if if we at, at, in the game four, and then it happened in game five. I was that was a nail biter in and of itself. Um, but as soon as we won game five, I'm like, this this could be a reality. I didn't want to get too optimistic, but I was like, this right. this, this could be, this could this could happen. This could happen. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm glad we won it in game six. Like when we up, went up three, two, I was like, okay, we're really close, but I was nervous that if we were to lose game six in Milwaukee, I didn't like our chances going back to Phoenix and, no. and taking that game. Um, cause Phoenix is a good team. Respect to them. They're, yeah. they're, they're frustratingly good at the things they do well. And when we right. are, when, when we aren't guarding them well, um, it looks bad and they can beat teams. So they're, yeah, they, they were a scary team. I did not want to go home back to Phoenix, like you said. So, yeah. And, um, it's, it seemed like the first two games, especially like some of our defensive, not really schemes. It's just like when you had Devin Booker and Chris Paul in a pick and roll situation, you got Brooke Lopez, Garden Aiden, and, yep. and you, he sets a screen for Andrew holiday or whoever's guarding, Chris Paul or Devin Booker, and he's and they would switch every time, and I'm like, I do not like Brooke Lopez guarding Chris Paul one on one or Devin Booker. Like it, it just put us in situations where it gave them easy mid range shots. Like yeah, like and they were hitting all of them. Oh yeah. One thing that I kind of noticed throughout the series as well is like it felt like Phoenix, if they had an open three, they were going to hit it. Like Jay Crowder caught fire for those few games and it made me so nervous like i was like yeah. they're just gonna keep giving the ball to an open jay crowder or mccall bridges and they're gonna hit them all because yeah that's just what they do when they're open they they hit their open threes but when bucks got open threes it just kind of felt like it was 50 50 you know yeah, no i i i yeah i understand that yeah there's definitely like that that point in the series where you're like even when we won games three and four it was still Jay Crowder hitting every single three he took, it seemed like. Right, right. Um, so it's like it's only a matter of time before that really bites us in the butt. Um, thankfully, it didn't. Um, but, no, it was it, it, it was definitely like you, you, you flinched every time that Lopez switched or dropped off of um, the pick and roll. Like it was, right. it was so nerve-wracking every single time that he did that. Um, so just got – yeah, just got nervous. Every yeah. time that happened, but no, hey, but I'm not gonna complain about the results. Uh, it's fun to analyze it on the other side, where you're not like, okay, we did this wrong and we lost. No, we 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 like we 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 showed those adversity times, but we ended up winning. So right. no, and, and Lopez, for as many bad defensive things as he did, as much as I didn't want him on the court, he he rebounded better than he normally does. Right. Um, and he had some really uh, momentum shifting dunks and plays that, that really helped swing in our favor. Yeah. Especially in game six. I mean, like he started off not looking good at all no, last night. Enough. And uh, then all of a sudden in the third quarter, all of a sudden he has a couple dunks and it's like, Oh wow, this could be a real momentum boost for us. And um, turned, out that one... turned out to help us swing. To tie. Yeah, yeah, because he had that one uh, where Holiday was driving baseline and he was cutting to the rim. Aiton was trying to help on Holiday, mm -hmm. but just left Lopez wide open and dunks on Aiton, which was that was I went nuts after seeing that. Oh yeah, um, a huge uh, piece to our that was important to us throughout this series was Bobby Portis. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness, I couldn't <laughs> believe he was actually playing as well as he did. He's a full full hero in Milwaukee. Everybody's chanting Bobby, Bobby. Yeah, it's time to touch that ball. A lot of times during the series, like when I'd see Bobby Portis on the court, all I can think of was uh, a couple of years ago when he was on the Bulls and he in practice he punched Nikola Mirotic in the face and 
broke his jaw and i was like <laughs> i'm glad he likes his teammates here because i don't want that to happen to yeah, us. no next thing you know he's punching chris Middleton or something oh, like, yeah. no but like but but the amount of energy and effort that he brought because he he was the type of player that we needed in this series too though because we have a tendency especially with our big men outside of Giannis, um to like hit a lull and we've had that issue for the last couple seasons um, where the energy seems lacking. Lopez isn't fast. You're never going to see that. Um, we're going to start doing dumb, lackadaisical things with the ball, like Jeff Teague um, and other guys like that. But Bobby Portis is out there going 110% all the time, and you know he's going to get a hand on those b- rebounds. Um, and he re- he he really helped us out a lot, and I, I'm, I really hope that uh, he can continue to be a part of that team in the future too because he, he came into his own. He fit his role very well. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, even on defense, like, he actually, you know, was up to par. I'm not yeah. Gonna, he, like, better than I expected him to be. Yeah, like, when he was in those situations that I was talking about with Brooke Lopez, where he'd have to switch on to either Booker or Aiden, I felt a lot more comfortable with Bobby Portis yes. on them, even if it wasn't ideal, obviously, because ideally you want Drew Holiday or Giannis on them. Um, but when Aiden had to cover them, I felt a little more comfortable for sure. Um, and he got some, some stops uh, on them uh, during the series. Um, a couple players that I think were very underrated in this series. I think Drew Holiday, yes, he shot the ball poorly almost every game this series. Yes. Like, oh, like watching yeah. him on offense, it was like he, he – there were just some shots where I was like, what are you doing? Yep. <laughs> but people don't realize he did have 11 assists last night. Yes. No. Which his playmaking, I think, went overlooked just because of how poorly he was shooting. Yes. And also his defense throughout the entire series was excellent. Um, like, I think of that play uh, where um, it was the end of game, game five. five. Yes, sir. And uh, Devin Booker's driving the lane. He turns around all of a sudden. There's Drew Holiday taking the ball from him. Just and out, then, outmanned and muscled that out and just support. <laughs> yeah, that and then the the lob on the other end. I was that made me take a deep breath and like, oh no, like what's yeah. about to happen? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't you know. know. All of a sudden, like the camera, all of a sudden Giannis pops onto the screen. I'm like, ah, yeah, no, there's a second there where you're like. We you realize we're only up by like one, I think, at that point. Yeah, and we're throwing lobs <laughs> like it's like it's halfway through the the second or third quarter. Yeah, and it's just oh like, oh my goodness. Um, but uh, yeah, Drew Holiday, very underrated. Another player I think that played well, that kind of surprised me because I wasn't too high on him coming into the series with that Pat Connaughton, excellent rebounder, especially on the offensive end for a guard. Uh, like last night, he he didn't score a single point, but he had eight rebounds. Which, I mean, how many guards coming off the bench are gonna do that? Yeah, I mean, no. yeah, I'd love him to score more, Especially but in limited minutes too. Right, right, because it's not like he's our first guy off the bench necessarily. Mm-mm. But um, mm-hmm. I noticed like on free throws too, like um, when Giannis was missing free throws a bunch like pack on it i was like oh pack content might get the rebound <laughs> yeah like earlier in the season you say yeah yeah no and i think i think in the same breath of saying pack Connaughton, now statistically you're not going to see him pop up anywhere but uh pj tucker um mm. a man a man's man like he just was out there every second given a hundred point like another sort of bobby portis vibe but like just his 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 defense and, and toughness, and the fact that I would be fine with him being on literally anybody, any position on the court, like whether that be Chris Paul or Devin Booker, even, and I'm not freaking out like, holy cow, why is he guarding them? Um, yeah, which for a player of his build, you would kind of think you'd be yeah. a little nervous because like you you look at him, he's like it's a six five guy, like linebacker, yeah, that that played center for the Houston Houston Rockets, yes, and like he's not he doesn't look like super fit or anything so it doesn't look like he'd be like laterally quick enough to guard guys like that Mm -hmm. but i think a big part of what helps him is how physical he is yes when he's playing defense oh yeah um because he'll get in your grill 
and he's not going to let you move. And it's not to the point where he's like hand checking, you know, fouling, but he, his on ball defense was, it, it really surprised me. I did not think, um, especially after watching him play against the Nets, like he didn't, he was still playing that same way against Kevin Durant in that series, but I mean, it's Kevin Durant. Like yeah. oh, he yeah. wasn't going to, PJ Tucker was not going to lock down Kevin Durant. No, really nobody was. No. But then when it came to Devin Booker and Chris Paul is a different story because they're not Kevin Durant. No. Um, and that's like, like they, and they don't like that physical game either. Um, right. And I think, yeah, I think sort of, rewinding back like you were talking about in that Brooklyn series, like on a game as a whole, by no means did he stop or even hardly slow down Durant at times. But there were those certain moments where like he created frustration that became a turnover that happened to us. Um, Or he got that offensive rebound and ripped it away from some smaller guy, like a Joe Harris or somebody like that. Right. Um, and it, it was like that type of effort that you saw consistently and then really paid off against a team like the Suns that had guards that really couldn't, didn't want the physical nature of that type of defense from BJ Tucker. So, right. And, and I think Drew Holiday as well. That, that goes like that physical, strong defense. I don't, I don't think that, like, yeah, it might not have showed on the, on the stat sheet every single night, but it made a difference. Um, especially in certain wins, um, like last night, even looking at Booker's shooting percentage, it was, uh, it was, it was ugly. It was, yeah. it was like what, 35% or something like that. He shot yeah. like 22 times and made like eight shots for 17 points, something like that. Yeah. It's, it's some weird stat like that, but like the amount of times that that physical defense really sort of started getting to a, a player of that caliber who could score 50 points if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really paid dividends. So no, it was really fun to be able to watch those guys play throughout the entire playoffs, as well as obviously last night too. Right. Um, another guy I kind of thought about a lot, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, obviously got hurt. Was it was it in the Heat series? Yes, that he got hurt. Yep. Yeah, and then um, he was out for the playoffs. I was just kind of thinking of the impact he would have made, and honestly. I feel like he's the kind of guy that's going to help, but it's not going to be super noticeable. I feel like the series would have still gone the same way had he played. Like, I think it would have been Bucks in six games. Like, I don't think any game would have changed drastically. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I don't think, I don't think any of the series against the Suns would have. I, yeah. I almost question about the Nets. Obviously, that's going back in time. But you almost think about like, what if we actually hit shots? Mm-hmm. You know. And he's a guy who could hit a couple shots as opposed to like, cause Pat Conton hadn't started shooting well until really the finals almost. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and that would have taken minutes off of him and Bryn Forbes wouldn't have had to touch the court hardly at all being the defensive liability is right. Um, and Jeff Teague wouldn't have to touch the court either, which I mean, Hey, respect to Jeff Teague, but I, I hated every time that he started trying to do too much. Like, I was like, just try to be Jeff Teague. Nothing more. Yeah, I remember. What game was that that you were texting me during the game? It, it was in the first quarter, and you're like, I want Jeff Teague out of here. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, agreed. I, <laughs> I mean, he's just not – I feel like he was trying to be Drew Holiday, and he just couldn't be. No. <laughs> and, yeah, and I mean, like, maybe five five years ago, but – yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 but all things considered, though, I mean, we, we did that without a starting shooting guard, our normal starting shooting guard. And that, that was, uh, it was, it was good to be able to do that without him, even, even though it would have certainly helped, I think, at times with rotational pieces. Yeah. I, but, agree. Uh, I think, I think you're right about him not maybe impacting the game in the really obvious ways, but it's like those, like, okay, he would take a few minutes from this player and a few minutes from that player and allow, maybe some less pressure off of holiday because we could play him as a point guard for a little while instead. Um, but no, I think he was a big part of our success, especially leading up into the playoffs, but obviously wasn't able to make the impact that uh, he wanted to in this series or in this playoffs in general, I should say. Yeah. Um, another player I kind of want to go back to again. Uh, yeah, yeah. And people were talking about him a lot during the series, but Chris Middleton, uh, he, 
yeah, I'm, like very obviously Giannis was the best player in the series. Like he had, I feel like an all time performance in this finals. Oh yeah. Like, I think this is, this will go down as one of the like all time great performances in a, uh, final series yeah it's hard to Um, refute that too right but at the same time chris middleton hit some really clutch shots oh like some of the shots he was taking he was like it's like fadeaways step back threes with a guy in his face and it's like that's just a tough shot some of the shots that devin booker was hitting on us all game yeah and it's like okay we have someone that can do that too maybe not quite to the same level no yeah but it's nice every every once in a while he can return it Right, right. So yeah. I think, and like you can say this about so many guys, but like we wouldn't have won this series without Chris Middleton. No, Mm-mm. and especially like, yeah, he's what kept us in some of the earlier series too to get us to that point. But then you look at his finals performance as well. And although there are, you could you could get irritated with certain games. Um, as a whole, like you said, those big shots, like even if he shot five for 19 on the game three Mm -hmm. of those five shots were probably in a really big moment that we needed him to hit a tough shot so right right he hit he hit big moment shots that we needed um throughout that entire series you're right about that um yeah no hey yeah it's just it's it's fun to be able to see like guys like that who a lot of people like see okay he doesn't have the pedigree of a high level nba player like a lot of these other guys do coming out of a big college um, or some sort of big program like that. Um, right. And he kind of just, he made a name for himself. And that sort of like seems like the whole team, frankly, probably they made a name for themselves, which I think is kind of fun to see. Um, I think they, they showed a stat before the game. I know I'm kind of going off track here, but it just reminded me of it. Um, where all of the Bucks players were drafted, everybody on their roster. And yeah. only one person, Brooke Lopez, was a lottery pick. Yeah, he was 10th in yep. 2008, I believe. Something like that. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. But, like, just looking at that, these guys all made a name for themselves by developing and working hard over time. It wasn't, like, a first pick overall leading us to a championship. But, yeah. yeah it's just it's yeah. fun to be able to think about that, too, that Chris Middleton was able to make that impact when he was at the bottom of the bottom um, at one point in his career. Yeah, I mean, he came from the the G League. Yeah, like he spent time playing there. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he becomes an All Star, and he was and a now f- he's the second best player on an NBA championship team. Exactly, and he uh, the funny thing about him is that we got him. He was a, he was like a throwing piece. I feel like during that trade. Yeah, the, the the focus of that trade was Brandon Knight. Yeah, for the Pistons at least. I remember, yeah. I remember seeing like, um. Like it was mainly for Milwaukee to get rid of Brandon Jennings and kind of move on from that that era. Yeah, and try and get um, people for him. And I remember seeing the Pistons did not want to give up Chris Middleton, even though he had done nothing special his rookie yeah. year with them. He averaged like six points a game, but like, I maybe they saw something in him that he could have been something yeah. kind of special. Probably not to the degree that he ended up being for the Bucks? No, no, probably not. But I don't think anybody could seen that. But that is right. interesting you bring that up. Because, like, what I know from a fan standpoint, we almost treated him like a throw-in. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. for sure. Like he, this is a guy that I add on a 2K trade to try and swing it in my favor. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, no, it, it's it's fun to see how many how much that paid off for him in the long run. But Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, speaking of uh, – Speaking of former Bucks players, now that we're talking about, while we're sort of celebrating this monumental accomplishment for the Bucks, let's revisit a couple maybe of our favorite players uh, growing up that we maybe just uh, were thinking about as we thought about the progress the Bucks have made from bottom dwellers to where they're at now. What, what's what's one player that really sticks out for you there? Um, I actually have a few players, but the first one I'll bring up. Um... Mr. Bucks and Six himself. <laughs> yes. Brandon Jennings was the first Bucks player I like really grew to like when yeah. I was like first becoming a fan. And it was like, I mean, I'm pretty sure he was a rookie. Um, the first year I had really started paying attention to basketball. And uh, I just loved watching him play. Mm-hmm. Um, you look kind of back on the player he was throughout his time with the Bucks, and he really was nothing special at all. <laughs> 
but um i remember like the rookie of the year race in the in the 2009 uh through 10 season and like i remember it was tyreek evans stephen curry and brandon jennings like that those were the three yeah i deep down i knew brandon jennings was not going to win it i was like yeah tyreek evans has probably got this but um i really really wanted brandon jennings to win it obviously and uh throughout all this time with the bucks like I just really enjoyed watching him play and was kind of disappointed that we had traded him, even though I knew that was kind of the way that we needed to go to yeah. kind of get to where we want to be. Um, but yeah, like I feel like he too many times he tried to force the issue. Um, his field goal percentage in, I think was only above 40% once in his career. Yeah. 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 yeah no. And, and it's, and it's almost like he, he like capped out at about, 20 points a game yeah something like that but we saw a little under that even but but for like young bucks fans he's like this magnificent player that was fun to watch Um, yeah and and he had he played with a swagger that's for sure oh for sure he had loads of confidence Um, yeah like we kind of consider him this legend because he was probably the best player since like michael red you know Probably. I mean, I'm. A, I mean, definitely the the player that you watch out like you see the most as like an iconic player. Maybe he wasn't the best player that we had in that span, but he was. Because I, I mean, I and and that's where I'm sort of leading into um, was my one of my first guys, but um, I'll mention his second. But no, Brandon Jennings was definitely sort of that like for that like four years span, three years span, he was sort of the the, the face of the Bucks after Michael mm. Red left. So for sure. No. So that sort of leads me into like uh, the one guy I think that in that span, I think I would argue at least that was better than Jennings. Um and another guy who didn't really pan out the way that we probably would have liked him to be. Uh especially but, at a first pick because I know yes, what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Andrew Bogut. Um he was he was my first player that I liked because he, he he had the same name as me. Um, so that's why I picked him as sort of my guy. Um, and I remember there were a couple of years where Andrew Bogut was one of the, one of the best centers in the league, um, or certainly could make the case for it uh, for an all NBA team, obviously not first team, but like yeah. he, he could have made the case for it. Um, I think that, yeah, he's, he was one of those players that um, injuries really kind of destroyed his chances of being anything solid for a long time. I mean, he, yeah. um, he, he was on like uh, NBA finals teams, um, later in his career, not as much of a centerpiece, but more as a strong defensive, uh, rim stopper, get rebounds type of guy. But there were a couple of years where he was, he was, uh, extremely important to what we did, um, on, in any sort of sense. Um, he wasn't a particularly athletic big. Like I should say athletic in the sense of sprint up and down the court, move around type of right. guy. He's sort of like a Lopez a little bit without an outside shot. Big, bulky body. Um, and better rebounder. Better and rebounder. Well, they're, they're comparable shot block, I think, yeah. in his career. But back then, I would agree. Um, but, yeah, no, he, he was a guy that I just, for better or worse, loved having him on the team. Um but uh, another guy that I thought of too um, was Monte Ellis, um, which is supposed to be part of like a three-headed monster guard for those like one or two years that we had JJ Redick as well. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think that was a full season. I think we we no traded we, we traded for him for JJ Redick, and then by the end of the year, he's like, "Yeah, I want out of Milwaukee." And he went to the Clippers. Yeah, no, that's right. But like, I think about like. I don't know. Monte Ellis is another guy that like this, this guy who played with a lot of confidence and was like um, probably thought, definitely thought he was better than what he was. Um, Probably didn't get the recognition all the time that he should have, because he kind of got replaced by Curry Um, and rightfully so, but he kind of got ushered out of that team for Curry. Um, But I remember the couple times that he was on a, a couple seasons he was in the Bucks. I was I was so excited because he was one of my favorite players. For some reason, I picked him as yeah. one of my favorite players. Um, yeah, there's there's a there's a short list of players that I remember that I was obsessed with. And Monte Ellis was one of them. Um, but no, he's another guy, sort of like Brandon Jennings, that maybe didn't go like 
you expected him like based off of how much like focus and excitement that I put into him, you'd have expected him to be a 30 point scorer, but he scored Mm -hmm. like 19. (laughs) Um, But no, he's another player that I remember back in sort of like those 2010 ish range where, yeah, no, definitely as a Bucks fan, I liked watching him. Yeah. Um, Another player I had in mind um, was uh, Ersan Ilyasova. And uh, for a while, actually, this was kind of after I had jumped off the Brandon uh, Jennings hype train a little bit, um, like after his first couple years in the league. And I was like, man, Ersan Ilyasova, that guy's something special. (laughs) He, I remember after the Andrew Bogut trade for Monte Ellis, um, he kind of became our leading rebounder that year. Um, I remember one game that season, he had 29 points and 25 rebounds. And I, (laughs) I was like, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. (laughs) I was like, Ersan Ilyasova, 29 points and 25 rebounds. No, (laughs) he's a player that I, I don't even know why I didn't like him the first time (laughs) he was on the Bucks. I feel like he was on the Bucks three different times. But, like, for some reason, I didn't like him the first time. Um, but, no, like, but he's a player that I actually missed. I, I thought we were going to miss bad this year. Mm. Like, I wanted to keep him around. And when he left uh, to go to another team, I was like, uh, great, that's a hole that's going to be tough to fill. Um, because he really did fit roles nicely. Maybe not statistically anymore, but he's a better player than I and many other people gave him credit for. Um, but that's funny that you mentioned, like, how he sort of, I don't know, oddly enough, became our best forward after Bogut left. Yeah. Like, like of all the people, Ursan Ilyasova. I remember that week that he had done that 29 and 25. He actually, I remember when he won Eastern Conference Player of the Week as well. <laughs> that got me real hype. Yeah. I, mean, I, I couldn't believe it was like a Bucks player winning Player of the Week. Like, that's pretty insane. <laughs> yeah. Like, forget about all these MVPs. Defensive player of the year is now Ursan Ilyasova won player of the week in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> oh my gosh. It almost feels like uh, the Brewers shortstop right now winning player of the week. Yeah, like players that you would not expect whatsoever to win player of the week. Um, that, that also makes me think about another, just one last player that I want to mention. Um, another player that I had an odd, like, I had a place in my heart for my, do, do I know why? No. Did he do anything near spectacular on the Bucks? No. I but OJ, OJ Mayo. I knew it. <laughs> my man, OJ Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> He's a guy like <clears throat> on paper, like this guy was drafted so early in the draft. He was supposed to be like a two headed monster through D gay on the Grizzlies. Um, and he came to the Bucks. I mean, he ended up being a quality starter for us. Um, but I think people didn't expect him to be more than like a sixth man. Um, and he really wasn't anything special, but I, for some reason, was just 100% on the OJ Mayo train. Um, yeah. if, if it wasn't for Giannis being drafted, a guy that I picked as my favorite player right when we drafted him. Um, I know I, you, you remember that. I was like, Giannis, bam, yep. favorite player. I do remember that. But if it wasn't for Giannis, um, OJ Mayo would have been my favorite Buck player uh, <laughs> at, at that point in time. Um, but, yeah, no, nothing nothing really spectacular, um, but definitely a player that I really like watching on the Bucks. Yeah, I my my favorite memory was of OJ Mayo on the Bucks was when he was out for the season because he fell down the stairs. <laughs> I, I was like really i'm pretty sure this was the season in 2013 through 14 when we had the worst record in the league we were 15 and 67 but he fell down the stairs and was out for the season like we're going from bad to worse yeah exactly but uh that's probably my favorite oj mayo memory is uh with the bucks at least um I will say there's a couple other guys I'm just going to kind of mention that I, some guys, some of these guys are going to be kind of obscure. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through a couple yeah, guys. No, Larry me. Sanders is another player <laughs> I like to remember. Yeah. He, he quit the NBA for uh, personal interests. We'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, 
Here's another guy. I don't even know if you're going to remember him. He was from that season. He only played with the Bucks that season when we I, were I I know the worst in the NBA. I don't know if you do. Maybe I will. His name is Miroslav Radulica. That's not the guy I was thinking of, but no. I kind of doubted it. <laughs> he was horrible. <laughs> he did nothing for the Bucks. He probably, but he was getting a lot of minutes because we were we were horrible. Yeah, like uh, he he probably averaged like four or five points a game, but he was like one of the he was from obviously he's from Europe and um, he was kind of uh, he had really soft touch at the rim. I remember like. He's got a guy I kind of liked. I don't know why. He yeah. kind of sticks out in my mind. I'm just kind of curious. What player were you thinking? I was, I was thinking say. John, John Brockman was I thought you were going to mention. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about him. Oh, my goodness. That, the, the Brockness monster. <laughs> Did literally nothing for our team. But, but everyone loved him. Yeah. yeah. No, everybody. every team has one. That's for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then one more I just want to bring up is Brandon Knight. He was kind of – he was that, that guy that kind of first, like, turned us around from that worst team in the league to we became a playoff team the very next year, and I think he was the main reason that had happened. Yeah. Um, so I really – was really disappointed when we had traded him. It felt kind of forced. Um, it just – I was just like, okay, now we're – we were on the way up with Brandon Knight, and all of a sudden we trade him, and he goes down. I know love, people love to make fun of Brandon Knight, but he was – he really he's a turned the Bucks player. around. Yeah. yeah, he was a good player that people don't yeah. give enough credit, in my opinion. No, no, that's that's a good point that you make. He sort of helped us with turning that around, um, bringing things back up in the right direction. Obviously, we kept climbing after that, but no, I do, I I agree with you there. That sort of like he he gets yeah he gets a lot of mockery for his time in Milwaukee, but it's not as deserved as what you know, it should be. So, yeah. Um, something I want to say about Brandon Knight, and I think this kind of moves us on to our next topic about like some of our favorite memories as Bucks fans. Yeah. Um, this is, and when you kind of said, you know, the mockery they made of Brandon Knight, this is the number one play people think of when the Bucks were playing the nets and Brandon Knight gets a steal in a wide open fast break layup. <laughs> and he smokes the layup for the win. I don't think people get the full context of what happened that game. Cause I was watching that game. I watched that play live and yeah, I was pretty pissed when he missed that. I was like, that was the game right there. It was tied at the time. And I think I'm pretty sure it was an OT at that point. So I wanted to double overtime. Brandon Knight was playing horrible that game as a whole, but he had some clutch threes in the second overtime and led the bucks to a win that game. And people always forget that because he smoked <laughs> the layup that should have won us the game earlier, (laughs) but he came through and he won that game for us. And that's, that's one of my favorite uh, moments as a Bucks fan. When you look back, Mm -hmm. Um, another one that comes to mind, I was in eighth grade at the time. And uh, so I think this was 2012, the Bucks were playing the Cavs. And this was, you know, kind of those years when the Bucks were, they felt like they were always like a seven through 10 seed kind of team. Um, and this is when the Cavs were horrible. Like yes, yeah. the post LeBron years where they were just. Where they got not three good. first overall picks or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember uh, it was back and forth the whole game. And I was, and the whole time I'm thinking, we're going back and forth with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, how <laughs> sad is that? And um, the game was tied, I believe, with like a second left. The Cavs had just scored. I think it was Kyrie Irving had just scored to tie the game. And uh, the Bucks called timeout. And I was like, well, okay, I'm just ready for overtime. Like, whatever. Uh, Mike Dunleavy is inbounding it on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brandon Jennings comes off a screen, coming to the top of the key. And they pass him the ball, and he's turning the whole time. He catches that he's turning, and he's still turning while he's in the air shooting. And he shot it, and it was nothing but net. And the Bucks win at the buzzer. And uh, that's probably, honestly, that's probably the first one I thought of when I look back at like my time as a Bucks fan. I was like, that's one of the memories where I was like, that's that was that's a good one yeah. for me. No, no, definitely. 
And that's sort of like the Brandon Jennings legend that like grew for especially us young middle school age Bucks fans. We were just like you you couldn't help but think that Brandon Jennings was like one of the best players in the league. Um <laughs> being a Bucks fan, you know? Right. And those, I, it's those types of moments that we think of immediately. You know what it probably was? In his seventh game in the NBA, Brandon Jennings scores fifty-five points yeah. against the yeah, Golden honestly, State Warriors. It was, it was like the like rookie point guard matchup of Brandon Jennings and Stephen Curry. Yeah, and I think we all know that afterwards, even after that fifty-five point game, yeah, their careers went in very different directions. <laughs> but what are you talking? Brandon about? Jennings Brandon dropped fifty-five Jennings on Stephen Curry, and he'll forever have that. <laughs> yeah honestly no that's funny no i and 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 one of the my my favorite memories that i i remember was actually a game that i was in person for it was still at the bradley center so let's see maybe rest in peace yeah (laughs) yeah that was uh that's where one of the deer districts were um but uh yeah no i i remember we were playing i believe it was the heat um I remember this. I it was like five, this. five years ago, six years ago. I think it was when Chris Middleton was on the team. Yeah, um, we were in high school. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and Giannis, Giannis, and Chris Middleton were on the team. Giannis was. I think that was the year that Giannis won Most Improved Players. Maybe it was 2017, 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. Because they were, they were a, they were an up and coming, relatively respectable uh, team. They weren't like a contender. They were maybe pushed for an eight seed. Um, but, uh, I, my mom had won tickets and we'd never be this close to the court otherwise. And I was, <laughs> I was in like the second row right behind, there's like a gap between the court side and then the bleachers. And I was in the second row of the bleachers mm-hmm. and, uh, Chris Middleton hit a game winning three pointer. And that's actually a replay that they showed multiple times. Um, during like a Bucks hype videos during this playoff run it was him mm-hmm. hitting that game winner and everybody piling on top of him on, at the at half court. Yep. And uh, I, uh, when he hit that game winner, I sprinted down there with my iPod, with my iPod touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is just showing where, where, where we're at. And I had my iPod touch and I ran down behind all the people who are in courtside and I lift my iPod over top of the group of people. And I got a video of the pile right out in front of the, the people at half court of Chris Middleton's buzzer beater. Like, Oh my gosh. I was right there with my arm in there. Like if they changed the angle a little bit, you maybe could have seen me on TV. Like I, that was probably <laughs> my favorite Bucks Mount moment, except for this championship run. Yeah. Uh, was that game winner. Um, yeah. And then obviously, like, just being able to be at, be at two games outside the stadium, um, being a part of that atmosphere, being able to be there and say, okay, like, where were you when the Bucks won the finals this year? Yeah. Right outside the building. Yeah. And I, that's just something that – it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, I think, for me. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to get back next year. But uh, um, – seeing how difficult it is at times to come back, especially the next year. I know it's sort of become commonplace for some teams, mm-hmm. but the last couple of years is sort of like, you know, even out the normal trend of there being at least some difficulty in getting there. Right. Um, and I, I just, yeah, there's, 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 that, there's something about that experience that I think just like, especially since it was 50 years in the making, um, being able to be a part of that outside the stadium. And then um, yeah, just being a fuel, thousands of people around you all cheering for the same thing so yeah i i kind of want to go back on that chris middleton game winner that you had watched in yeah, person yeah. and um you know how there's so many moments in sports that people talk about like oh where were you when this happened like there's yeah. so many times there's so many i feel like for me personally i have a weird memory like that i have like that with so many sports moments. like it's just like random sports moments and like um like so many people will talk about like, Oh, the 2016 finals. And when the Cavs came back from three, one, like where were you when that happened? But like, I remember where I was when that Chris Middleton shot had happened. I remember, I, I very, <laughs> I very vividly remember this because you had sent me a Snapchat of the video that you had taken when it happened. I was at Disney world when that happened <laughs> and you had sent me that video. I don't think I was watching that game because I was in the parks, you know, I yeah. didn't have time yeah, to yeah. watch it. But, um, 
Yeah, I just remember uh, probably getting off a ride or something. And I see this video, and I was like, oh, wow, cool. Chris Middleton in a game winner. <laughs> it's a low-scoring game, I'm pretty sure, too, wasn't it? I don't I don't remember that part. I just remember the video. Yeah. I still have it, so. Yeah. That's but, one of those oh. things that you got to look back and you just pull that up and just kind of reminisce. Yeah. See if I can get my iPod to work still. Yeah, try not to cry too much while watching the video. <laughs> yeah. Getting all emotional. No. But, hey, we got good things to be excited and emotional about right now, so. Exactly. Exactly. Bucks Nation is going to keep riding this high until next season. That's for sure. But, oh, uh, absolutely. Definitely, definitely an awesome time to be a Bucks fan. Definitely a good time to think back, reminisce a little bit about, yeah, our favorite favorite NBA team. Yeah, it was a, it was a blast. It was a blast, and it was, it was fun getting all like the the Snapchats and stuff from friends and people, and we're like, all these Bucks fans are messaging each other, like. Man, dude, I'm I'm just so pumped right now. I'm so excited. People that you haven't talked to in a decent amount of time, sometimes in some cases too. Yeah, like seeing seeing all these posts and stuff, and you're just like, you know, it feels nice to be a part of this like championship fan base right now. So right, oh, absolutely, it's insane. And like I said before, like I still feel like it needs time to like sink in. <laughs> yeah. Yes, no, definitely. But hey, uh, Bucks and six, um, we can culture. Exactly. Uh, the Brandon Jennings prophecy has been fulfilled. Um, is it still going to be a chant? Probably. Oh, it, I um, think it will be forever now. <laughs> yeah. It's just a thing now. Yeah, it's been immortalized, yes. Yeah. No. Um, there's going to be a statue of Brandon Jennings holding up six fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, it's uh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a blast to be able to um, see that and uh, be able to be a part of um, next season too as the reigning champions. We haven't been able to say that ever in our lifetimes as a Bucks. Right. Fan. Yeah. Real exciting stuff. But yeah, so I much. I really wish I could go to the parade. That's the one thing I'm just like. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Like, no, I think it's tomorrow. I think at eleven. It is. It is. And I. Which oh man! If I was work, so. if I was in Wisconsin, I would totally get off of work. And, and go <laughs> watch the Bucks parade. Like that's a once in a lifetime opportunity, but I just can't know. <laughs> no, I hear you. But yeah, no, real exciting time. Um, I'm sure we'll see lots of videos of it. And yeah, looking forward to next season already. Oh, absolutely. Let's enjoy so it for now. Let's enjoy it for now. Awesome. All right. So uh, yeah, there. I mean, hey. What, what a fun episode to be able to uh, make as Bucks fans. Thanks for tuning in, guys, to this uh, edition of Fans Take. Um, be sure to check us out on Twitter or wherever um, you listen to podcasts. It's been a pleasure, guys. Uh, go Bucks, go, and we'll see you next time. See you, guys.